0: I think we all end up playing the same game that theologians play uh, in our everyday life. Um, uh, And uh, theologians, what they do, they um, discuss, endlessly discuss and debate um, events that quite likely never happened, you know, and we do that, you know, For we go and watch movies, for example, uh, and, um, and you know, there might be events in that movie that never happened, but we debate them, you know, we go home, if, if you're a real fan of the Star Wars movie, for example, you know, um, you know, or Star Trek or something like that, and you discuss all the things that are happening and um, how, the, how you can apply those things in your own life and all that sort of stuff, you know, um, you know, Uh, good versus evil and all that sort of thing in the case of Star Wars Um, and the Force and, you know, all this sort of stuff, you know. And um, you can use something like Star Wars as uh, a guide to life, you know. All right, now, um, and uh, Star Wars fans, you know, can spend... Night after night debating events that never happened, you know. Uh, you know people, it's just that somebody said they happened. You know? And uh, you kind of know they never happened, but you enter into um, a fact that they did happen for the purposes of debating these things you know, that never happened. Um, look, things that happen in your imagination on one level are as real. For all intents and purposes, of you know how they can um, help you with your life, <laughs> as uh, as real events, you know. So, in this sense, I think um, the world of imagination is real. I mean, the world of imagination does exist within the universe, you know. Like we like to say, space, time, um, you know, and uh, matter and energy and all these things are real. And the reason we say they are real is uh, because uh, we observe these things to exist in the natural universe, and we tag those things as being real, you know. Uh, But we do observe people using their imaginations, imaginations, in the real universe so is that not a property of the universe too and we can discuss those things as well blah 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 you know all those old things now uh, now how did this come up um, in the previous episode I was imagining um, you know the queen being dead um, and Australia keeping her on as our queen and us yeah, after she dies, you know, because Charles, you know, we don't want him, <laughs> and even William doesn't set the world on fire, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and you know, even the little one, whatever his name is, George, you know, look, I you know, none of them inspire me very much. Um, the Queen, she doesn't inspire me anyway. Look, just for the exercise, um, imagine we kept on the Queen, Queen Elizabeth II, as our monarch, even after she dies. Um, and, and, and then we set up a council um, uh, which um, yeah, every... Uh, what does she give out? The Christmas Day message. Um, every Christmas we set up a council to uh, write a Queen's Christmas message each year. Uh, and that council is something like a council of theologians. Um, that council looks at the events of that year and uh they construct the speech the queen would have made you know something like you know the sorts of things the queen would have said if she was still alive and then put that out um using uh virtual technology you know like actually have the queen there appear on everyone's tvs and she can speak those words with her voice we, we can do that these days you know we've got a lot of technology and um and all the people know that this is happening but you know they they give that council um authority to create a queen's christmas message each year and you know in that way we get to keep the queen forever you know and um and uh the council is charged with the responsibility with uh, of navel gazing um, and not stepping outside the sorts of things the Queen did say in all her other Christmas uh, greetings, <laughs> Christmas um, messages. Uh, the council um, has to refer back to the many, many Christmas messages we do have on record for the Queen in constructing the next one. And, um, you know, and, and, and they debate, endlessly debate, uh, what the Queen would have said were she real this year you know in the in the current year okay if she had she existed now um, now further to this sort of thinking my my um, g d and I just had a chat about um, you know debating what was on the Romans what were the motivations of the Romans, you know Pontius Pilate, for example, um, when Jesus was put before him you know to be tried you know and then he handed Jesus across to Herod, you know, threw up his hands, washed his hands, you know, and said, "I, I can't deal with you. I'll put you across to Herod, and Herod can um, hear your case. And then, you know, if Herod reckons you should be executed, then we'll execute you." But, you know, um, so you know, uh, Pontius Pilate, the Roman, you know, Jesus, you know, he's triggering riots. Um, in Jerusalem, so he's hauled before the courts, you know, uh, before Pilate, the Roman, you know, Roman magistrate, whatever, and um, and then the Roman magistrate says, "Listen, I've got no real problem with you. I'm a Roman, and this is a this is a this is a Jew fight. You know, this is a Jew fight. Um, so, um, listen, just say the words that I want to hear." And you, you can go free, you know. But Jesus, uh, you know, he's not going to do that, Jesus, because he's already decided at the garden of, in the Garden of Gethsemane that he's going to be a martyr. You know, he's already decided that, that um, the Romans are going to execute him. He's decided that. He made that decision. The Romans have no say. But, um, you know, and then um, Pontius Pilate's getting nowhere, so he pushes him across to Herod, the Jew, you know, the Jew king, the local Jew king. The Roman always... Um, you know allowed um the local sort of provinces to keep their local kings, you know they saw kings as being a primitive sort of idea but and and that that was for all the primitive peoples you know to have a king, a local king, but as long as that local king uh, respected excuse uh, excuse me uh, as long as the local king respected the authority of Rome um, you know the local king could become the local king, and if the local king You know, they can keep their customs, you know, all the local areas that Rome conquered. Right, now, um, so Jesus is pushed up to Herod, up to, sideways to Herod from Pontius Pilate. You know, like, in some ways, Herod outranked Pontius Pilate, but in some ways, um, Herod didn't, you know, because um, Pontius Pilate was a a proper Roman and Herod was a Jew, you know, uh, even though he was a king, you know. Um, anyway, um, yeah, and, and and it was very important for a local... Look, if you didn't respect Rome, uh, Rome would somehow make you go away and find another Jew who would respect Rome. And, you know, because Rome really lavished riches on you and support if you showed respect to Rome, you know, and Herod, I think, showed respect to Rome and got well rewarded for it as long as he could keep his population in order. Um, Jesus was disrupting all that, and Herod said, listen, you've uh, we need him killed. Uh, so, you know, Rome, for the public good, you know, to stop the riots and all that sort of stuff, you know, killed Jesus, which is what Jesus wanted all along, you know. Uh, we know this, you know, because he had decided to... Uh, to die, you know, a death of death by cop, you know. See, what Jesus is doing wasn't good enough to commit suicide. He had to be killed by others, you know. So he set that up, you know. Um, He knew about that before any of those guys did, you know. In the Garden of Gethsemane, before he had even come before the Romans and even before he'd come before Herod, he had decided that those guys are going to execute him, you know. So this is a suicide. It is a suicide. It was a done deal in the Garden. A done deal in the garden. So, you know, you can't pick on the Jews for killing Jesus when he has decided that that is going to take place whether the Jews like it or not, and it's going to take place whether the Romans like it or not, you know. Um, so this is death by cop uh, by Jesus for a greater end, you know. And then it worked, you know. He's very famous now, Jesus. Anyway, so um my gd and i were discussing this we discussed it in some detail by text you know because we enjoy that it's a dialectic we have we debated this entire event and we debated what would have was on what was on the the mind of the romans you know in considering this um problematic situation of you know jesus uh, seeming to claim that he's the king of the jews look And and the Son of God, and all this other stuff, you know. Now, the Romans really, they don't really care about these local superstitious people believing in their own gods. And, you know, the Romans were, you know, they they allowed that. They only, the Romans only got their knickers in a knot if um, a local sort of kingdom. Um, you know, Rome wouldn't have kings, you know, because the the idea of having a king was very primitive and dangerous as far as the Romans were concerned. So, um, the sophisticated civilizations, civilizations, that's Rome and Greece, you know, they would not have a king, especially Rome at that point in time, would not have a king um, uh, you know, because they had a more advanced society. It was only these primitive societies that had Royalty, you know, kings. <clears throat> anyway, uh, and, and and you know, the master race had no king, but the minority races um, had kings. You know? um, all right, so that was the situation. Anyway, my GD and I were debating all of this. You know, what was on the mind of the Romans? You know, how did they feel about this? Um, this Jewish. Um, this Jewish preacher who seemed, you know, who was upsetting the other Jewish, you know. And all right, so we had that full debate, and then after we had that debate, which was only about probably five texts, um, I, I sent this to her, actually congratulating her and me. Um, uh, oh, look, I'll just read it out straight, but I could only read my bits because I have no um, authority to read her texts. Um... Even though her texts are often, you know, are just brilliant. They're actually just brilliant, but, you know, it's up to her to make a podcast of her texts. So just assume she's saying good stuff, you know, because half these texts are responding to stuff that she's saying. Okay, um, now, what have I done? Okay, um, speaking about Jesus here, he spoke in riddles. He called himself things like the son of man, you can just imagine um, my GD texting in between, okay? You can just—you have to just imagine and guess what she might be saying. And he referred to God as his father and told his disciples he spoke directly God to God, referring to God as father, etc. Yeah? Uh, yes, he made it clear, I think, to everyone he was the son of God. Or well, the gospel writers wrote those words into his mouth anyway, if he never said them or if he didn't even exist as such, the way he is described. In short, whether he was a real Jesus or a fictional Jesus, yes, he said he was the Son of God. Uh, but that claim was made even while he was in the womb, and the three wise men found out about it. Um... Oh, she, she um... She uh, discusses here whether um, there's conflict between the Roman gods and the Jewish god. And I suggested, well, I texted different gods. There was no conflict with the Romans on that front. Augustus was the son of a different god. Um, Augustus, he he was essentially the son of uh, Julius Caesar, you know, the adoptive son of Julius Caesar. And Julius Caesar had been declared a god. Oh, okay, Augustus wouldn't have given a hoot if Jesus wanted to be the son of some God from some other religion. Yeah, yeah. I'm just reading out my texts. Um, they're all really random little snippets, yeah. It was the Jews who were upset about Jesus being proclaimed the Messiah, etc. Uh, and it was the Jews who were rioting because of that. Otherwise, the Romans would have ignored him. But the Romans now suddenly had its Jewish population getting restless. And of all the people the Romans had to keep orderly, the Jews were the most difficult. I don't know whether that's true or not, but that's what I've heard. Um, Pius, The Romans did end up getting angry at the Jews in general, with regards to Jewish God, uh, because the Romans were famously respectful of other people's gods, but they did expect other peoples to be respectful of Roman gods too. And the Jews consistently refused to show any respect to Roman gods, and, dis- and disrespecting Roman gods was one and the same thing as disrespecting Rome. And uh, then she's texted. So that's when Hadrian, Hadrian came along. You know, to which the answer is yes. Uh, you know, she's texted that. So that's when Hadrian came along. And, and I've texted. And more, uh, but I, I didn't see that text because I was already off and running. Um, and more than anything, this is the reason that Hadrian finally went in, went in there to Palestine and went the full Hitler on the Jews... Famously scattering them to the four winds for 2,000 years until, equally famously, the US President Truman carved them out a homeland called Israel. And then I wrote, Yes, Hadrian was about 30 years after Jesus died. Pretty much all the Jews in the Bible singing Hosanna on Palm Sunday. Well, there's someone, there's people here speaking noisily, and I want to be here speaking noisily. Uh, yeah, I'll move. Um, no I won't pretty much all the Jews in the Bible singing Hosanna on Palm Sunday and then not long after calling for Jesus to be crucified ended up being shockingly slaughtered themselves along with their kids etc by then you won't find any of that in the Bible the Bible stops before all that happens and then I've texted this is the bit I was trying to get to it's fantastic how you and I have the dialectic power to work so hard to get to the bottom of what Rome's motivations were with respect to events that probably never happened. This makes us kind of historical theologians. You know, this is me texting my God. We have the power to wonder why someone did something they never did. I love that, I say. In essence, we are getting to the bottom of what we think Rome's motivations would have been had Jesus actually gone up before a Roman magistrate and then pushed on to a local Jewish king to be tried and then back to the Romans for execution. Yeah, and, um, and that's it, All right? That can do, you know, this, that was just a, a snippet of the, our dialectic world, yeah. Okay, end of that episode.